0: Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run-through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Inquisition. The 18th episode of the sixth season aired on April 8th, 1998, written by Bradley Thompson and David Weddle, directed by Michael Dorn, Wharf behind the camera. In this episode, an officer from Starfleet Department of Internal Affairs arrives at the station and accuses Dr. Bashir of being a Dominion spy. We're joined by Clay, who's not a Dominion spy. Clay, how are you? Or
0: am I? Could be. It's nice to see uh, the, the guy who plays Death in bill and ted's bogus journey on a star trek episode
1: oh yeah that is him like that <laughs> not that i was like searching for who that was but that it's like very obvious that that's who he
0: he is actually that's interesting yeah, he's got he's, a recognizable he's, he's face great yeah yeah he pops up and stuff all the time
1: very good actor uh very good yeah, i think he's yeah, very definitely. good very good in this one um i guess we'll just uh we'll eschew the uh the morning little chatter here at the start and we'll get right into it so i'm gonna take a break we're gonna play a clip and then me and Clay are going to come back, and we're going to break down Inquisition.
2: I'm sorry you're going to miss your medical conference. It couldn't be helped. In a case like this, I have to follow strict procedures. Yes, I understand. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. The last time you tried to attend a medical conference, you were taken prisoner by the Dominion. An experience I wouldn't care to repeat. I'm sure you wouldn't. Went five weeks in a Dominion prison camp. I can't imagine what that must have been like. Not pleasant. I read your report. It made me ask myself how I would have held up under those conditions. I guess you never really know until you go through it. I'm sure you would have been able to cope. We do what we have to, to survive.
1: Hmm. To start this one off, Clay, I think that um, I'll have to ask you a question here. This is a, because this is an episode with a twist, right? There's a, mm. there's a, this is all a dream kind of an episode that we were mm-hmm. talking about in Far Beyond the Stars. Uh, For whatever reason, this one to me, I feel, I wouldn't say that it suffers, but I I spend the entire episode aware that this is not really happening to Bashir. And Mm -hmm. there are some other episodes that like, you know, the twist is coming, but I can still kind of sink into it a little bit. And I don't know if that's a problem of this episode, but did you as a new person to this one recognize that there was something wrong or was the twist when it was revealed the awareness point for you?
0: No, I knew it was coming. Okay. I, I, I hadn't I mean I haven't seen it before. I didn't know anything about this episode. Um but yeah, I, I, I didn't know what exactly it was, but I I knew I knew it was coming. It, I don't know They're not very subtle with it. They no. they do they
1: do a lot of hinting that something is wrong with Bashir's uh point of view. And it's it's weird <clears> because <throat> I think it's almost like it's nicely directed in a lot of ways. Like they they pay yeah. attention to these small little visual clues and the teddy bear tipping over and stuff like that, and there's all these these weird, strange things. I think the the biggest first thing that probably points you out that something's wonky is when Bashir talks to O'Brien and he's like, he's like, Julian, they're asking me questions about you. Get out of here now. And then the thing shuts off. But yeah, it's, it's, I almost feel that they um, played, overplayed their hand a little bit with the sort of weirdness of it. But maybe that's the point and the tone of the episode that they were trying to go for. But I, I don't know. I was just curious if you picked up on it and you obviously did.
0: Yeah, it felt kind of uh, prisoner light to me. Like, this felt like uh, it, it could have been an episode of The Prisoner if you replaced um, are, are You a Dominion Spy with Why Did You Resign? You right, know? yep. Um, but I didn't find it as engaging as an episode of The Prisoner. And, I mean, I guess it's probably unfair to just compare it straight to The Prisoner. But, uh, yeah, I, it felt like... I liked the idea. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was kind of interesting. I thought the 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 best work that they did to kind of to throw you off the, the 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 path was when he actually gets um, snatched by Wayoon. Yeah, because yeah. that that scene, I was like, all right. I mean, obviously, this isn't real. This is something something screwy's going on here. But that scene, I thought, was the best scene they had. Uh, that was working towards convincing Bashir and everybody else that this might be real. Right. Um, But at the same time, I felt like, um, how do I put this? It felt to me like they were really excited to debut section 31. Mm -hmm. So it was, everything kind of felt like it was rushing towards that last scene where they just talk about what section 31 is for like five minutes. Yep. Um, that's my favorite scene of the episode. Actually, yeah, I, my think prob- its good.
1: I think my problem with this is that I don't enjoy all of the holodeck. Is this a dream stuff? Because mm-hmm. I feel it's a little bit like knowing that I knew what it was, and you obviously understood it. it you, you know that it's just kind of killing time to get to somewhere. Like I thought that the the best part of the entire lead up of the uh, the Bashir holodeck sequence is how they pulled in all the prior Bashir episodes to make it really seem like a convincing case that he is someone who would be yeah. with the Dominion. Yeah. I thought I think that's the best part of what they do with the early stuff. Unfortunately, it feels a little bit predictable and we've been there before and seen all this kind of stuff. So, the reveal of section 31, where they talk about section 31 is to me the best part of the episode because that's actually playing with the idea of what this organization is in this universe. Mm. And mm-hmm. that's more interesting than the head game that they want to play with it. So Section 31 does come back in this, but I, I I feel that I would have rather they spent time with Section 31. And it's also, this is kind of a tainted episode for me because I, I'm sure we're going to talk about how Section 31 is portrayed here versus
0: Discovery's Section 31. Mm. I do have I do have some Discovery thoughts that I would like to get into at some point.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, so... Did you have any thoughts about, like, I guess just we can talk about the holodeck thing and then get into that, but I really, I kind of think this episode is overrated. It's a little highly regarded, but I don't enjoy the holodeck sequence as much as the um, uh, the exposure thing at the end. I think that the way that yeah. Obra- Bashir figures it out is clever. I like the tying in of all the Bashir parts. I think they overplay their hand a little bit that you know, you know, he's walking through DS9 in handcuffs, and they're like, oh, what have you done? Like, where are these people... Uh, coming from and Starfleet command and all that stuff but outside of that it feels like it's spinning its tires to get to the ending and then the ending is only about five minutes
0: yeah yeah i um the the strangest part about it for me was at the end after they reveal everything when when bashir's back on deep space nine and they're all talking about it and nobody even knew he was gone well he was on vacation yeah, I which I mean, yeah, I they they set it up that way, but like I feel like it would have been more interesting and impactful if what Sloan was actually doing there was the thing he was actually doing, and then the Bashir thing was just kinda like an offshoot of that. You know, like so so he actually was there on Deep Space Nine looking for a spy, so everybody was aware kind of that on he, edge he and it there. wasn't all just yeah. fake, you know? Yep, yep. Um,
1: so you you would have had the setup where Sloan actually arrives pretending to be looking for a spy, and then during that they actually put Bashir on like a DS9 hall of suite to do this test of him. Yeah,
0: yeah. something like that. Yeah, because otherwise I don't I, I don't know why they go that extra step to to abduct him, uh, in the night while he's sleeping or whatever. Um, to uh, yeah, I I don't know. I think it would have been a more interesting story to just inject that, that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like light paranoia actually onto, onto deep spit. Cause they've had that problem before. Cause there was a, there was a, uh, changeling running around for a while. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I, I think the problem with that would be that section 31 is so secretive that you can't, um, They become exposed if they let more people know, even if they don't say that they're Section 31. But if Cisco ever checks in and says, hey, why did Internal Affairs come visit us? And Starfleet's like, what are you talking about? So I, I, I I think Sloan can't really reveal himself to that extent, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um yeah, yeah, I I felt like it was like you said, they were kind of spinning their tires, kinda of trying to get to the end and, and and really kind of lay out what section thirty one is. Um
1: I like the spinning the tires stuff. Like I, I don't dislike it. I just don't think it doesn't really for how for how cool it is, I would expect it to grab my attention a little bit more than yeah, it does. Like yeah. it's I was watching his like this is fine, everything's okay. I like the I, the acting between so, the two of them are great and everything like that.
0: Yeah, I think um if it, it if it were up to me, uh, have you ever seen the movie The Trial? With uh, it's an Orson Welles movie with um, Anthony Perkins, it's like a loose adaptation of the uh, Kafka story.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Well, it's kind of it, it basically. Uh, long story short, it's the guy gets uh, accused of something that he doesn't even know what the crime is, whether let alone whether or not he did it, and and he gets keeps getting pushed into the um, insanity of bureaucracy surrounding uh this accusation that's been leveled against him and it gets crazier and crazier and it ends up with him like blowing himself up and it's it's it goes from zero to to a hundred and i kind of wish that they had gone that way with it you know kind of like the prisoner would where it's not just they they just keep pushing the scenario bigger and bigger and bigger until it breaks kind of itself you know Mm -hmm. right so instead of just instead of again they only got 40 minutes to do it but um instead of uh instead of it just breaking because they found out he realized that uh, O'Brien's arm was was uh not messed up when it should have been if they kept pushing Bashir to see if he would react um violently to be you know that kind of thing where it, Push him to the edge and see how he reacts, and and you get to the point where he's cornered, and then the kind of thing kind of falls apart a little bit. The truth will come out when he sort of cracks from the pressure of everything. Yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, that's not the way they wanted to go with it, and that's that's fine. Um, But it was – yeah, it was kind of like that kind of total recall type story really – Sur- surface level isn't the word I'm looking for, but uh, like uh it was like a light Total Recall, where yeah. it's like, we're kind of going to do this, but it's not really the point of the episode. We're just kind of doing this so we can get to the end and tell you about this cool new thing we have. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the strengths of this one are that I like the direction. I like the way it's done. It does have this sort yeah. of weird dream state to it that I – I have to assume at this point is intentional with the tone that they're going for. They're going for that paranoia yeah. kind of thing, but it comes across yeah. as so paranoid that you know it can't be real. And I like the acting. I think um, Alexander Siddig does a great job. I think that the guy mm-hmm. who plays Sloan is fantastic in this. Like that.
0: The only thing I will say is if the one acting note I would have given him is after he uh, gets up and he's extremely tired and then they're called to the the meeting and then they're <laughs> like, okay, everybody has to go back to their quarters. Yeah. I would have said, okay, you should react as though that's the best news you've heard all day because you are going to go right back to sleep because that's how I felt. It was <laughs> like, I was like, oh, that's like waking up and finding out that school's been canceled. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's 730. I'm going to go sleep till 10.
1: That's probably the first clue that something's wrong. He yawns for about three scenes in a row. <laughs> they're, they're really, and it, it doesn't really, you know, it's a weird thing that they really stressed because the payoff is just that they took him, you know, to sleep deprivation, him, to make the uh, the interrogation a little bit easier. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, it just felt like it was a weird amount of stress on that small little note uh, that didn't need to go through
0: multiple scenes, but it ended up doing that. And um, Yeah. You know, yeah, I think, I think overall I th- I I liked it. Uh it didn't blow me away. Um but I think I would have gone weirder with it. I think I would have I would have pushed it a little bit harder. Like if they had kind of jumping off what I was saying a minute ago. Like if if it had ended with uh continuing the Wayun angle to the point where they had Wayune like sending him on a on a on a uh a murder mission or something. Yeah, you know Dominion like trying mission. to actually activate him. Yep. Uh, and see how he responds to that. I think that would have been kind of interesting, but obviously that's, you know, uh, I, you know so I think uh, yeah, if it? I was going to do that, I would have done a two-parter. Oh, you, you think this has enough to go two parts? I think if you, if you want to flesh it out and really, really get into, oh, maybe he's actually working for the Dominion, and he doesn't know it. I think so. I mean, like if you, I think you could have ended that first episode with them uh, stealing him. And uh him showing up in the Dominion and then being like, Oh hey, hey buddy. Yeah, you actually are working for the Dominion. Dun dun dun, you know. Or Yeah or, or telling him that he uh he's gonna be activated and sent on a mission to blow up Deep Space Nine or some shit like that, you know?
1: Because I, I have a um I actually don't like the way this one ends, really, at all. Yeah. I, I like the sort of conversation that they have about section thirty one, but I don't like the well, Mr. Bashir, next time we run into them, we're, you're definitely going to be a spy. Yeah. I, I really don't like that. I wish that the I wish it ended on more of a paranoid, like an ex-file-y, like the truth is out there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the fact that they're trying, obviously, to serialize that story or just have it stretch through multiple episodes, at least, is really kind of an uh, annoyance that I don't think is... I think it's actually a disservice to Section Thirty-One. I I do feel like the majority of our conversation is going to be about Section Thirty-One, and I'm trying
0: to hold off from doing that uh, right can away. Can we talk about? Can we talk about how great it is that Star Trek um, understood the idea of tablet technology, but not the idea of storage space? Yeah, <laughs> it's because at the beginning, Bashir's packing his shit together, and he's got like five tablets. Mm-hmm. That he's packing into his thing, and I'm like, I don't know what you have on each one of those five tablets, but you don't need them, buddy.
1: (laughs) They they assume it's like Kindle. Like Kindles only have two gigs on each one because the book is, you know, five bytes or whatever. So they assume it's just Kindle storage just
0: for everything in the future. You're going to need a lot of these uh, tablets to keep coming through. Yeah, could you – I, you know, I I don't – when I was younger, we had a computer that only – I think it blew my mind because we had a computer that I think had four gigs of space on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Could you imagine going back to this point in time and talking to anybody about the fact that you have a flash drive that has a hundred gigabytes of space on it, and that like digital space is not really a, a, a thing anymore? Like yeah. it's not it's not a quantifiable thing that that has any value to it because it's it's unlimited. Like yeah. I or you don't need even
1: storage. I, you can just pay a company to have
0: your storage for you. You don't even I mean? have to yeah. pay. You you open a Google email account and you've got 15 gigs or whatever worth of space. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's crazy. It's like that, uh, that Pat Oswalt, uh, bit where he talks about if he could go back in time to, uh, himself in 2002 or whatever, he wouldn't, he wouldn't talk about, uh, you know, politics or anything. It would, he would talk about how, um, iPods exist and it's like, take every song Take every song you've ever wanted to listen to and put it on something about the size of a cassette tape. Now break that in half, and uh, you can, and that's your machine. And they yep. give them they give them away free in gift baskets. <laughs> it's the it's the greatest <laughs> piece of technology ever invented, and they just give it away.
1: I mean, it seems super dated at this point that um, your iPod had storage at all. You know, just because mm. now everything's Spotify, so
0: it's like there is no storage really. Done. I your do opinion. have problems with that, but that's for a different time.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess we can just move into the Section 31 portion of this, which sure. is uh, the meat and potatoes of this. I think it's why the episode is kind of highly regarded. I think this is a sort of a, um, a post-airing bump up in respect for this episode, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I think that if this episode came out and you just watched it as a standalone and you were unaware of the name Section 31, you would think this is... I think it actually makes the episode seem stupider in a lot of ways. Like, if this was a one-time appearance of this group, you'd say, what a what a weird kind of organization that feels... Well, it's challenging Starfleet, like the the TNG or TOS kind of ethos of the universe. What a weird, clunky thing to insert for just one uh, 45-minute episode. So yeah. what did you want to say in context of Discovery versus uh, DS9's Section 31? I, I will... Actually, I, I want to ask you a question to lead into this. Sure. Uh, what is the point of Section 31 in DS9? What's their goal? Um, They say it in the episode. I'm just trying to...
0: Oh, well, <laughs> I didn't know there was going to be a book report. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for a trick uh,
1: question. It's just like, what does Section 31 do?
0: Uh, they're just covert ops, right? Like... Uh, They're basically the CIA of Starfleet.
1: Sort of. They, 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 Sloan says in this one that they identify threats to the Federation and then they deal with them. Um, Yeah. What is the point of Section? What is the point of Section Thirty-One in Discovery? Um. I was expecting (laughs) spin-off show (laughs) to 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 allow uh, Michelle Yeoh to continue on with his Star Trek career. I think yeah. I think that's kind of the big difference. And even if I'm not right. crazy about Section 31 here, they, they do have a the difference between the two series is that I understand the point of what Section 31 is in sure. uh, DS9, and I'm not sure that they exist for any other reason than to be a reference into wear leather in Discovery. They yes. wear leather here, so that's something. Yeah, that they I was going to
0: mention that. Like they, <laughs> they do. Uh, they don't do a. a, a I mean, I guess they do a good job of of making them seem imposing by dressing them all like uh, 19th century butchers. Yeah. I I think they look like barbers, like leather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But no, I think you're right. I think so. That's a good lead into my thoughts about this compared to the way they handle it in Discovery. In that, um, when we were covering Discovery, at least early on, one of the things that we sort of jokingly said was, we didn't think the people who were writing it actually watched any Star Trek um, or at least hadn't watched Deep Space Nine. And I, as we've gone through Discovery and as we've gone through Deep Space Nine, I actually feel like they, th- the show they did watch was Deep Space Nine, but they didn't get it. Sure. Because this episode is essentially the Ash Tyler story. Yeah. Is it? Is it not? Yeah, yeah. It's like they took this episode and they were like, "Oh, let's make an entire season arc out of this this, you know, uh Manchurian candidate type story. We can plug that in here um but actually have it actually have it be the
1: truth. Yeah, like have the Manchurian candidate actually be the thing that's happening as opposed to the just the idea that this is what's happening."
0: Yeah, and then, you know, Section 31. Oh, that's great. Covert ops, we can use that. Awesome. Uh, you know, plug that in as a, a, an ominous group to reference. It seems like it's – it seems like the stuff that they're doing in Discovery is referential of stuff that they did in Deep Space Nine, but they they didn't really – they're not really taking into account the place of those things in the world of Star – the universe of, of Deep Space Nine or the universe of Star Trek. It's just – like everything else in Discovery, they're just grabbing stuff. yeah, And it's being like, oh, this is cool, we should use that. Oh, this is cool, we should use this. Oh, that's a good reference we should make.
1: See, I, yeah, and to to go off of that, uh, let's stick with DS9 section 31 for a little bit. I'm, sure. I'm kind of torn about this in DS9. I think that they are a perfect encapsulation of a kind of DS9 idea. I don't know if it's a bridge too far really, what they do. My,
0: my biggest problem with it is that, is when is when he's explaining what it is, and he's like, yeah, we've been here since the, the start of the Federation, like 300 years ago. Yeah, they're in the and charter. Like, they're
1: Section 31 of the Starfleet charter of the Federation. Yeah, charter.
0: and it's like, uh, okay, I, I guess. It, it just seems it seems weird to have to quantify it by going back that far. I don't know what the point is, if it's supposed to be like, they're the creation of a different era before Starfleet reached its potential, or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, the thing that's odd about it is that, like, in all the other movies and TNG and stuff, like the first contact that initiates the Federation is seen as this huge changing point in like the outlook of humanity. Yeah. So to continue to have a like, Oh, this is a new era. Like we're friends with Vulcans. We're going to explore space. We also need a covert ops group here to make sure that everything's on the up and up. It feels like section 31 to me feels more natural as a, we tried to do this, the like the good way but we had some problems, and so we had to create this group to deal with what we didn't anticipate to be problems about yeah. going out into space.
0: Yeah, totally. Or I would even go the other way and say it predates Starfleet. Okay. And say that you know it's it's a it's a holdover from a different era. That oh, they sure. Just, yeah, that's a good you know, idea. That, that from a more uh, arcane era that they just um, um, folded into as as the governments and stuff were coming together to form Starfleet, they folded this idea into it. Um, as sort of like a backdoor policy or something like that. Something a little bit – something that would be believably cynical for the creation of something like Starfleet where it's – because you know that something like this would be like, well, yeah, that's all well and good, but what are we going to do if the Vulcans decide they want to blow us up? Right. Well, we have to know what the Vulcans are – you know, there's going to be someone saying that. Yep, it's very logical. I I understand why Section 31
1: would exist. And as Odo says, sure. all the other cultures in Star Trek have a secret ops group. There's the Obsidian yeah. Order and oh, the Tal Shiar yeah. and everything. So, Roddenberry
0: would Roddenberry would hate it.
1: Even this is a very unRoddenberry thing, but I think it's I think it is very much a DS9 um, idea. I think they I think they're a little heavy handed with Bashir sort of going at the end like, how are we going to live when we compromise our values with Section Thirty One? Yeah, and it gets a little bit over the top, but I, I like the idea of Section Thirty One. I think they're just a little bit too big of an of a uh, thing, sort of like they. While they make sense in a like a narrative and technical level, the the nuts and bolts of them doesn't really work for me. Uh, so it's one of those things that like I understand why they're brought into discovery because people are like Section Thirty One are cool. They wear leather and they're under a cover and everything like that. But if they don't fit into the DS nine universe, about, and they were talked about very openly, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that's the other like that's the. I don't know if I mentioned or I wanted to avoid when we were talking about Discovery, but the, the way that Section 31 is portrayed in Discovery is just along the lines of the spore drive. It's one of those things that's like yeah. it doesn't make sense that this is why they're doing it this way. Yeah. Um, Did and- they
0: wrap that up at the end of the second season? Was there – in that in that stupid uh, scene where they're like, let's never talk about any of this ever again? Were they like, let's not – talk about section 31 Ex- out loud to except anyone, tune
1: in ever. on tuesdays at nine o'clock on cvs all access to get more uh yeah, black seriously. ops type, type stuff but w- w- what did you think about that or you can t- continue with the um ds9 versus discovery or what your general thoughts about section 31 would be um
0: yeah, you sound you sound
1: many- unenamored with them um which
0: is fine i think it's yeah i i think it's tough Honestly, I think it's tough for me to get super excited about it because my first introduction to them was through discovery. Yeah. And also, I do think there's a little bit of what you're talking about as far as I mean, I know that they're going to come back, but at first blush, it's like, okay, that's kind of a cool idea. We'll see what happens with it. You know, it's, it's, it's those two things combined. It's tough for me to like lose my shit over this Section 31 stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they're I think they're they're interesting. Um, I I'm gonna be curious to see in what ways they come back because uh, like I, I think there's I think what's kind of fun is they set them up in a way where uh, which is which is kind of why I agree with you about the thing at the end where Cisco's like you will become a spy um, that makes the the reaction to them very aggressive where I kind of think it's they set them up in a fun way where it's like at any point someone could say computer end program and what you're watching could be a section 31 interrogation right. or, or something you know created by section 31 in order to, to, to derive information like that thing's kind of fun I, I like that idea um, but they they seem to be aggressively going after them already so I don't <laughs> I, I don't think that's gonna happen and if it does cool.
1: Yeah, I guess we can just end with as I said before, I thought that the I think the best part of the episode is the reveal where Sloan explains yeah. what section thirty-one is to Bashir and everything. What I like about it is that section thirty-one, and this is restating what we've already said, but I think it's worth uh saying, and I think it's what's important, is section thirty-one to me makes sense in this DS9 universe. Like I understand yeah. Sloan's arguments for section thirty-one are fantastic. I think the way that he ties it into uh, Dr. Bashir, do you think that any of the people that you saved cared that you lied about getting into medical school mm-hmm. is a semi-brilliant turn of like what Section 31 is doing? And I think they actually represent a lot of like modern day politics where there's this yeah. kind of like, there's a certain group, particularly on the left, that have a kind of like a naivete about like internal like threats to the nation and things like mm-hmm. that. Like it's the kind of It's the kind of, like, you have to just, like, get out of everyone's territory and just kind of, like, go. Um, Everyone should leave everybody alone. And it's, like, the reason everyone is aggressive towards you is because you're aggressive towards them in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I think the Section 31 is a nice semi-rational counterpoint. Well, they are rational. They're a rational counterpoint to that idea that, like, the way that you are standing here now in this perfect universe, uh, at least the TNG or the DS9 version of a perfect universe— is because of all this stuff that we've had to do in the background that you've been unaware of. And I think that that's something that happens in real life that people are unwilling to kind of think about. And I think it's nicely portrayed here. And I think they could have gone the bad way, which would Sloan just be this sort of uh, mustache-twirling villain, mad scientist kind of guy. And Mm -hmm. he's really not. He's a pretty rational character
0: who you believe what he's talking about. Well, they sort of, you know, I think the other swing on it the more intense swing is it's it's sort of the the idea that was driving most of the uh, uh, post 9-11 fiction that fe- really featured heavily uh heroes torturing the shit out of people
1: yeah yeah that's it's true.
0: this idea and i mean not even just fiction just in real life i mean for, un- until people kind of uh <clears throat> came around to the fact that yeah torture in, in all forms is is not great um there was this kind of air of well you know are you, do, are you really, do you think people are going to care about how we got this information as long as we get this information?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And which, you know, I think the answer to the rational answer is if it's keeping you safe, most people probably don't care. But on the other hand, a lot of people were using that rationale in situations that weren't actually getting any information, yep. you know, uh, and that's where it gets really sinister yes um, yeah so it's it's it is a really the really interesting thing about that argument is that it can be used legitimately but it can also be used as a rationalization for some pretty awful shit
1: yeah no yeah A 100 um the the and i i think that it's i think maybe they they go in a, a kind of a strange direction where we've talked before about Bashir is the most TNG-ish of the characters and he he yeah. certainly feels that way here where he's the one that's most alarmed by what's going on and questioning Oh, he's the perfect
0: they- choice. I mean of of all the people that they could have picked on on Deep Space 9 to do this story with, he's absolutely the perfect choice. Yeah, like if you yeah. just run down the list, if you if you if it was uh Cisco, Odo Cis- would be like, tonight Cis-
1: join?" <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Odo would be like, "Well, how do I sign up?" <laughs> yeah. Cisco would have been. Cisco would have figured it out immediately and, and been like, "I, I totally. This makes total sense. I'm not surprised that this exists." Um, Dax, I don't really know. D- Dax, Dex This doesn't. Fe- it feels like it doesn't really affect Dax. No, at all.
1: It, I feel like Dax would just say like, "Oh, that's interesting," and move on to something. It's not a very
0: Dax story. Yeah, Worf, I feel like Warf be into, probably, right? uh, yeah, I think Worf would be into it. I think O'Brien, well, even O'Brien might be kind of into it. I don't know. Um, But yeah, Bashir is, is, I mean, Kira, Kira would ask to sign up probably. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, uh, Bashir is the one that I think has that, you know, yeah, like you said, he's the TNG character. And it, so that's why it makes sense for him to be the one that they they break this news to.
1: Yeah. I, I think very it's very interesting that one. Th- the thing with his point of view is that his point of view comes across as it still comes across as a little bit naive to me. It's an interesting DS9ification of the Star Trek thing where I find myself somewhat more agreeing with Sloan than Bashir's point of view at this mm-hmm. and the, that would have mm-hmm. been a very bizarre thing to say if this was a TNG episode, but I think that just where we've come with DS9 to this point, you kind of are like, well, yeah, like they're they're fighting this war against infiltrators who have shown that they can sort of disrupt what's going on on earth and everything like that. And we we've seen the, there are worse things out there. Like the, the, not everything is good. And it it feels believable that this group would exist and that they would have this point of view. Bashir's point of view is the, I don't know what DS9 is saying about it with Bashir's point of view. It feels like the show actually feels that Bashir is slightly naive a little bit, but I don't know if they're just writing that because it's a Star Trek thing and they have to kind of, push through this. I, I understand Bashir's got a point and he's right in the way that you're saying that you can't go too far with this. But, um, like, what's the worst things? I, like, you sound like you're defending Section 31, I guess. Section 31 in this is not particularly uh, the horriblest institution that you can imagine, right? Like they go through these kind of very shady things and it feels like they're going to frame Bashir to some point, but they're really just kind of trying to get information and they're obviously wrong the way that they go about it, but they they're not as bad as you'd imagine that they could be. They could be written in a much worse way, I think. And that's to me is the accomplishment of the episode is that it, it kind of walks through the middle and you end up with a, a decent episode that's not really sure which way to go.
0: Yeah. Um, I, they definitely do make a choice. About how you should view them, I think. By the way that they have them dress at the end, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you know he doesn't he doesn't explain the concept of Section Thirty One while he's sitting on the corner of a desk wearing like uh, acid wash jeans and like an MC Hammer t-shirt. Yeah, you nice, nice ascot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, they 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 definitely kind of. Leave it open to interpretation how you're supposed to view these guys. Um, but they're not don't- the.
1: They're, I guess my. They're not the Obsidian Order.
0: You know, like they're right,
1: not. They're right. not. They're not. I guess it, whether or not you consider this torture or not is kind of debatable. I guess, but I, I guess I wouldn't say that they're torturing O'Brien or anything like that. Like they're a. They, you mean they, Bashir? Uh, yeah, sorry, Bashir. Like they they're a human version of what the Obsidian Order could be, and. They're better than that. Like, the worst case would be if these guys were just the Obsidian Order, but humans who are kind of doing that kind of stuff, and that wouldn't feel necessarily true to what the show is and everything. But I don't know, I, I guess I'm having a hard time describing it, but I, I feel like mm-hmm. they do a good job of just keeping their argument relatively sane against yeah. the backdrop of this T- Star Trek universe that says this is wrong. And well, yes, in a perfect universe, I would agree, this is wrong. DS9's universe is not that universe, so I feel that it's okay. And maybe that's why the ending doesn't stick with me so well, With they're like, we're going to hunt them down and and sort this out. I would have preferred just a, they're out there, the universe is more complicated than we can understand at some points. We'll see what happens in the future.
0: Yeah, I feel like, I think I agree. I think that Cisco's reaction at the end. I don't know because I don't want to give Cisco so little credit because it's really easy to 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 paint him as someone who's like anti-federation.
1: Yeah, I uh,
0: I, I wouldn't paint him that way. I guess. Um, well, I th- I I wouldn't either. But yes. I think it's you know as we've talked about, he is he's basically the 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 uh, the the test of 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 the Federation's resolve because even though he he has his own personal thoughts about it, he always ends up being the one who is the is. Who proves the, the 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 ethos of the Federation correct? You know, right. in, a, in a in a sort of interesting backwards way, um, and I think it would be easy to have him in this scene if you weren't if you weren't thinking about that, and and you were thinking more about it, mischaracterizing him as like, oh, he's the anti-Federation captain, or he's the cynical captain. I think it'd be easy for for that episode to end with Bashir being like, "Can you believe these fucking guys?" and Cisco being like, "Actually, yes, I can." <laughs> right, yeah. and uh, that's just how it is. You yeah,
1: know? yeah. Um, I think they do a good job of. I know it's not real Cisco, but like the way that Holodeck fake Cisco starts to doubt Bashir's story with all the evidence mm-hmm. that's piling up like that. Uh, the problem with those turns is that I feel that because we've spent 150 episodes with the characters, you never believe that the turn would be that dramatic, and that's what kind of gives it away that it's a holodeck story. But yeah. I, I think I think that's true that's, to
0: Sisko's character. That's an instance where I, I think it, it could have benefited from from a longer runtime, mm, because sure. all of those guys have to turn on him at the same time. Yeah, yep. And it's like they all do it in the same way, which is not how that would really go. Like, you could do that, but I think if you had each one of them kind of take a shot at them in their own way that would have been a little bit more believable yeah um but you know you only have 40 minutes to do this
1: yeah let's um let's take a break we're going to play an audio clip me and clay will come back we're going to read some patron thoughts we'll give our final thoughts about inquisition
2: we're on the same team we believe in the same principles that every other federation citizen holds dear and yet you violate those principles as a matter of course in order to protect them Oh, I'm sorry, but the ends don't always justify the means. Really? How many lives do you suppose you've saved in your medical career? What has that got to do with anything? Hundreds? Thousands? Do you suppose those people give a damn that you lied to get into Starfleet Medical? I doubt it. We deal with threats to the Federation that jeopardize its very survival. If you knew how many lives we've saved, I think you'd agree that the ends do justify the means. I'm not afraid of bending the rules every once in a while if the situation warrants it. And I don't think you are either. You've got the wrong man, Sloan. I don't think so. In time, you'll come to agree with me.
1: Okay, everybody. So, if you enjoyed the content today, you can support the show at Patreon.com/slash/ThePenskyFile. You give a couple dollars a month, and you get extra podcasts, you get extra videos, you get extra stuff. You can vote on what we cover, all that good stuff, and it helps continue to keep the show running, which is much appreciated. Our captain tiers on Patreon get a shout out at this point. It's Andrew Chiralog. Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Quirk, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David Kaye, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elge, almost made it in one breath, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Tark Latif, and Will Yates. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. Let's go to Patreon comments. If you're a patron, you can support the show and you uh, can leave comments about upcoming episodes. We read them. Captain Quirk says, "Inquisition." I'd Classify, this episode as a must-watch since it introduces a fascinating clandestine organization, Section 31, which goes on to play a larger part in DS9's long-term storyline. Still, there's a lot to like here aside from that introduction. William Sadler's excellent performance as Sloan and the tactical mind games that Section 31 employs to test Bashir's loyalty were two highlights for me. My only real gripe with the episode is that it's, quote, all a dream holodeck illusion— Uh, Oh, is that the It's All a Dream Holodeck Illusion is a well that the writers have gone to many times before in both DS9 and TNG. So I found the twist to be predictable, even though I can see why Sloan employed it as a glorified interrogation tool.
0: Can I jump in here for a second? Sure. Um, I think what's missing for me, I agree that they go back to this well a lot. I think why I was going the other way, where I was saying like, well, if they really pushed him or something, blah, 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 blah. I, I think the reason that I feel that way is because... The way that they play it takes all of the stuff that has happened previously in the episode off the board, and it's just, oh, okay, yeah, it's just a holodeck. It's, he's fine. But if they had used that to actually f- push him, and so at the end of that situation, when they reveal it's a holodeck, like Bashir is fundamentally shaken mm-hmm. by what has just happened to him. Yep. I think that would have much more impact as far as as far as far the way that things played out. It would feel less like just it was all a dream than it would be like the uh, – for lack of a better example, the Federation version of There Are Four Lights. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, right. So are you saying that there's still a holodeck in that version that you're writing that you've just – Yeah,
0: I, I think you could still do it. I think it, it actually adds a really sinister aspect to what the holodeck can do. Yeah. If you – if you're using it as an interrogation tool. And at the end, you know, it's no less intense than any other physical or mental interrogation, you know?
1: This This is interesting because you've just kind of sparked in me something that I think would be different. Like, to, to me, the reason that Section 31 here is not as bad as they could be is the worst way to do this is that they, whether or not this is a holodeck, they actually use the other cast members in this and they're not holodeck versions of themselves. If mm. Section 31 can make them doubt O'Brien... That to me yeah. is the dangerous aspect of what section 31 can do. I think
0: I think that's kind of what I was wh- where I was going when I was saying I I, I wish that Sloane actually had been to the had actually showed up right. at, at, the, uh, at the at the FT Space 9 because then you have if you can actually get him to start to convince other people that possibly Bashir is a traitor, That's yeah, that's where the danger comes in and that's where they get really sinister.
1: Yes, and 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 I, I think that maybe I appreciate the episode that it doesn't do that, and I like Sloan's kind of argument, but the way to portray them as a more sinister—the they the, the idea that they're going to hunt them down at the up, end of the episode makes more sense if they have that kind of capability, where they're exactly. seen as a yeah. an organization that's not just protecting people, but is actively kind of
0: undermining the true values
1: of the Federation at the yes, same time.
0: Exactly, exactly. And they, they yeah. don't do that. Um, and, you know, I, the, I think that's what, another thing that bothers me about the way they use them in Discovery. Because in Discovery, there's not really a pushback against Section 31. No, they're cool with it. They love it. Yeah, they just kind of acknowledge them and go, ugh, Section 31. You know, like there's there's an underlying kind of disdain for them, but there's no – Real pushback, fear. no from, fear. You know, there should
1: be fear you know. from them. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. At the very least, I mean, at the end of season one, you've got Michael Burnham giving this massive speech about what Starfleet values are, and even though it wasn't earned or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's you know, <laughs> Michael Burnham should be uh, leading the charge against Section Thirty-One,
1: right? Well, I'm I'm glad we made that point. I I think that's the point I was kind of stumbling around this entire podcast, trying to get to that point. I I think that's where the episode made a choice, and I don't know if it's the right or the wrong, but it certainly
0: impacts how you view Section 31 and what they're doing. Yeah. Ash Tyler shows up, and it's like, oh, you changed schools, I see. (laughs) Right. You know, it's not like oh, you're now working for this clandestine organization that we technically shouldn't even know exists. They're not even clandestine some, in Discovery. They're yeah. just out there. Yeah, yeah, they're they're so out there that it. Well, in Discovery, they don't even wear com badges. But in uh, <laughs> did I say Discovery? In, in, GS- in Deep Space Nine, 9 yeah. they don't yeah. even wear com badges. In Discovery, they're so well known that if you see their comm badge, you go, oh hey, Section Thirty One, nice, cool, good to see you guys. What's going on? It's very. I got to admit though, Section Thirty One badge is pretty rad. The black badge, yeah, Yeah, it's nice. Very cool.
1: It's a very uh, simple twist on something. They also invented, obviously, the tap
0: communicator, as Discovery tells us. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Which sim- actually, I will give them credit for that because that makes sense. That to is me. something that uh, feels fairly realistic. In that you know all the shit that we use now uh, that's ubiquitous to to life. Most of it started as a military organ, a military project.
1: Yeah. So, it, like, yeah. the
0: the idea that Section 31 has the tap communicators before anybody else makes perfect sense. I think that's a good detail. I like that a lot.
1: I think it makes sense. It's a hidden communication method. It's a piece of jewelry yeah. that you have a microphone in, basically. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. That, that works. Sam, uh, Samuel S. says, Inquisition, a good episode with a cheap ending. I like episodes that are told from a single point of view, and this one definitely qualifies. The buildup of Bashir's arrest is very eerie, and you can tell something is off, but you can't put your finger on it. Although the ending reveal that this ending reveals that this was Star Trek equivalent of It's Just a Dream, it does deflate the episode a little bit. Still, I enjoy watching it. A four out of five. Uh, Zam Nuclear Wessel says, Nice guy Sloan from the beginning of the episode reminds me of Detective Willem Dafoe in American Psycho. Black leather Sloan <laughs> from the end reminds me of gang leader Willem Dafoe in Streets of Fire. <laughs> nice. I like that. Very good. Matthew Ross says, What a show. Actually, this episode shows me why there is a new iteration of section why the new iteration of section thirty one is terribly conceived. No one has heard of thirty one despite everyone talking about it in Discovery. Anyway, the idea that there was a dirty tricks unit when I first saw this made me annoyed as it being against the grain of what Star Trek was. Although I like Sloan and all the subterfuge. However, I knew that nothing was going to happen as Bashir is a main character. I was fooled that the characters we saw were all fakes, but that means that Section Thirty One has some overly detailed files on everyone all the time. If you if you buy that, maybe Starfleet is diluted and under the secret organization's thumb all the time and the show is showing their diluted adventures while the black-clad officers do the real work. That idea breaks the entire story concept for me. More akin to men in black, literally, than Star Trek. Cardinal Doomsday says, Be careful what you wish for, Julian. Worrying how a black ops group can take over DS9 easier than the Jem'Hadar. A genuinely eerie vibe is ruined by the stupid Dominion holodeck scene. I've made no secret of my dislike for Section 31, but now that Georgia I was getting a spin-off series, I like it even less. So two out of five. Uh, what is What happened to it? Oops. Let me find this. Uh, what's going on? Chad Wiley says, is this right? What happened? Control F. There we go. All right. We're back. Chad Wiley says, this oh no. is, Control. It got you. <laughs> this is one of those episodes that I can bring up as evidence for why DS9 is a better show than TNG. On DS9, The Conspiracy is a group of rogue Starfleet agents willing to compromise their own morality in service of safeguarding the Federation, and they're led by the excellent William Sadler. In TNG episodes' Conspiracy, we have a group of aliens trying to take over the Federation for reasons, and they're led by a giant earwig. It's true. There's no, there is no conspiracy. Dwayne Hackett says, The origins of the never-before-seen Section 31, which I must admit, at the time of airing, I had thought, wait, why didn't the Federation have a super-covert intelligence branch? The idea of clandestine operations to ensure the safety and security of the populace is a true-to-life fact as they exist in virtually every powerful nation, even today. I would have loved, however, if this was a Season 4 episode to give it more weight on the larger universe. As it is now, it feels like something the writers tacked on at the end of a season when they realized they needed one more episode. Inquisition from Kyle Barrett. Nobody expects the Section 31 Inquisition. I I also realized I didn't get your joke last week, Clay, when you you said that. I didn't. Because you didn't say Spanish. I think I missed out. Um, to take place entirely on the holodeck, it's usually a twist I don't like, but here I think it's great, and it only adds to the show adds to the show a level of subterfuge and secrecy regarding Section Thirty-One. William Sadler is a great guest star, and Alexander Siddig, who I feel doesn't get enough love as an actor, gives a great performance. All in all, tippy top stuff. And ever since hearing Section Thirty-One is interested in Bashir, in part because of his interest in spy holodeck adventures. I've been watching James Bond in constant rotation in the hopes that MI6 will eventually get in touch. So far, that's
0: no luck. That, that is a funny detail where it's like, well, we assumed you were the spy because you enjoy spy stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe we're not as good in an organization as we thought. Thank you, patrons, mm. for leaving your thoughts about Inquisition. Clay, what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? Uh, four. Oh, interesting. I'm going to give it a three. Um, yeah. you you liked it you liked the whole like I I think it's a four the last couple scenes but before that I find it not too great um, this is not, not a big difference between a three and a four at least in terms of our scale but I'm surprised you're giving it a four
0: yeah I think it's uh, even though it's not I didn't absolutely love it I think it is more interesting and more well done than a lot of the threes that we've, we've covered lately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's adding a new thing to the mythos that seems to be something that sticks around for a long time. And is it is a a interesting addition. Um, Yeah. I like the idea. I I just
1: don't. Yeah. I think it's just, it's one of those, I like the idea, but the execution kind of kills it for me.
0: Yeah. I would agree. I I, I feel the same way, but I, I give it extra points for, for trying. Yeah. Basically.
1: Yeah. All right, cool. I'll give it a three. Um, I think it's a very solid three. I think it's a very good episode, and I think that what they're doing here is really uh good. It's just it does not grab my attention for the first opening bits of it. That's it. Clay gives it a four. I give it a three. You guys can check out all the content down below. There's all these links in the uh the podcast blurb or on the video description. You can go to the website at thepenskypodcast.com. Everything is right there for you. It's a one stop shop. Check out patreon.com slash the file. Support the show there. There's Teespring. Well, You can get all your T-shirts and stuff like that. We have some new ones. There's a long way to go for a ham sandwich. Just made it up there. And then there's the failed uh, Dr. McCoy uh, catchphrase. I never said that. So we now have a T-shirt for that one, too. What a stupid catchphrase. <laughs> I never said that. Uh, that's it. Guys, Well, Clay, do you have anything you want to say?
0: Uh, no. Well, Kickstarter's still going. Kickstarter for Bloody Hell still going strong. Uh, we're up over 17,000 at this point, And we will continue to be up until the first week of september so thank you again to everyone who's thrown in for that and we'll be adding stuff as we go new rewards and all that kind of fun stuff so uh yeah if you want to check it out please head over to bloody b l o o d y h e l b-l-o-o-d-y-h-e-l.com
1: yeah thank you for supporting the uh the kickstarter guys thank you for supporting this show thank you for listening and we're going to be back next week with "In the Pale Moonlight," which is something that uh, a lot of people have been waiting for to get to this episode. I think so. We'll see how uh, we'll see how Clay feels about it as a uh,
0: newbie to this series. Is this is it just forty minutes of the Tim Burton Batman movie? Basically, yeah it's
1: it's the Burton sa- it's the, the Burton soundtrack. While Cisco
0: sits listening to it on a old record player, I think is... I would a hundred percent watch that. You know <laughs> what I was thinking the other day uh has there i mean maybe it's out there and i just haven't searched hard enough for it i was th- i was looking for stuff to listen to when i was going to sleep because i was having trouble sleeping and i was thinking has anybody actually my first my first thought was i need to get an audiobook read by patrick stewart mm-hmm. because obviously that voice is you know it, it's got a certain tenor to it that's great for sleeping yeah um <laughs> And so I actually found he actually does – there's an audible uh, download of him doing a Christmas carol, which I thought was perfect, but I got it, and he's too good. His acting is too – he's too engaged. Uh,
1: (laughs) Engaged. Good Good pun there. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) So I was thinking – I was like, man, you know what I need? I wish someone would do like an hour-long cut of Picard dialogue, but not the intense stuff, just where he's talking normally. Yeah. So you've got Picard talking – about banal normal stuff and then you've got the sound from the ship in the background that would be the greatest thing to put me to sleep ever
1: there's a bedtime stories for cynics audiobook he narrates one of the stories in it i mm-hmm. guess uh which is interesting yeah but yeah they they do need, just need a a low cut of uh, all of picard's like b-roll dialogue basically like the the non story related him talking about the shields and the uh the uh, the engines and things, yeah, like yeah, or
0: just just expository stuff like ready room scenes mm-hmm. or or uh, or the conference room scenes where he'd just be like, "So if we if we come in too close to the sun, you're saying that the sh- the shields will disintegrate, you know, like <laughs> just that boring shit." <laughs>
1: we'll we'll get uh patrick stewart on that i guess we'll see uh, do you think he'll do a lot of yelling in star trek picard we'll have to see if that will be a series that we can get some cuts out of for it. but yeah, anyway there
0: had there's nothing in the, the trailer yet but right you know, there's still time
1: guys there's th- still
0: time to draw the line wherever <laughs> he decides to draw the line
1: guys thank you very much for listening thank you for supporting the show we'll be back next uh or in a couple days with in the pale moonlight until then see ya